You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Will Mavity's interview with the visual effects supervisor for Finch, Scott Stockdick. It all happened so fast. There was a solar flare. Goodbye crops and food, goodbye everything. So I did. Frightened. And so alone. And I found you. What should we have? Get your elbows off the table. Get your elbows off the table. All right, you're next. You see, I'm developing something interesting. Giant leap of faith. Now, if you can speak, tell me something about you. That, that, that robots must protect dog. If we don't go before that storm hits, we'll die, all of us. As soon as you can walk, we're leaving. One, two, one, two, one. Now that's falling. One, two. Head west, over the mountains. Would you like me to drive? Don't oversteer. That's oversteering. Ease your foot up just a hair. Perfect. I learned to talk dog. I don't think it likes me. Come and see this. Try the RV down. Hang on to something. We should be safe once we get into the mountains. Those things will happen. Like 150 degree heat, UV radiation, and people hiding in the shadows. Go, Do you think we'll make it? Not without my team. What we do, we do together. I believe in you, Fish. Yeah, Scott, so tell me a little bit about kind of designing Jeff in a way that's not creepy, but is also humanoid. There's no uncanny valley. Just tell me the background on Jeff. So when I came on the project, there was already a lot of work done by the production designer, Tom Meyer, and our director, Miguel. And their whole thing was that Jeff was designed for the dog. So every little detail actually is... is, through that design lens it's like the hands being made from like baseball gloves is like mm. to be softer so that like the dog can actually interact <laughs> with it you know i think it's like a, a lot of care was given to like his height actually like he's he's supposed to be he's tall he's actually a, a, about six six and part of it is like, so the dog could see him from far, but it also gave him this character of like a, an adolescent character where to, to interact with Tom Hanks, he kind of has to be hunched over a little bit, <laughs> you know? And I think it's just like everything from like the, the shoes were made from old croc sandals, you know, which, <laughs> <laughs> which Tom Hanks wears them in the, in the movie too. So I think it's like all those softening details helped on the design and then I think, you know, in execution, having Caleb, the actor on set and involved, uh, like in, er in every shot was really what made the performance come alive, I think. 
Yeah, well, I was curious about that with Caleb. Um, so was was he giving a mocap performance or did he kind of act and use this as reference? How did his performance get in, incorporated in? Yeah, well, I, I think um, finding the Jeff performance was probably our biggest challenge. And it was a combination of so many different things. It's kind of crazy. I think, you know, when I came in kind of best practices for a, a CG character is you have something in there. Like you right. don't want Tom Hanks acting to air or a tennis ball. And I think people have known that for a while and it, it it's, it's necessary. So when uh, Caleb was on set, he was in uh, what we call the displacement suit, which was a Movin mocap suit with, legacy effects built um camera ready like 3d printed pieces that went on top of the lycra suit mm. and I, I should back up and say legacy effects actually built a real robot <laughs> so wow. it was able to be puppeteered and it moved are we talking this is like yeah a, yeah wow it moved it moved and i mean it was it was like part animatronic part puppeteered yeah uh, it was very heavy and it was you know it was definitely a starting point for us. And we actually even mocapped that to sort of get <laughs> a sort of robotic feel. But um, starting at the, at the head of the movie, have you seen them? You've seen the movie? Yes, of course. Yes. Okay, great, great. So a big part, like we wanted to sort of go with this artificial intelligence thing where Jeff is growing and evolving and he grows from like with machine learning, you need a bunch of data. So his data comes from like, we kind of considered optical motion capture of Finch. So Jeff is always like observing oh. him. And if you think it's like, it's like from the year 2030. So um, he's got the ability to sort of video process and actually turn that into motion capture. <laughs> and that's, that's like in the movie world and in, in our rationale yeah. of the movie world, right? Not in reality, not in our reality. <laughs> but uh, like, even even now, there there is some research into that. So we kind of like we took everything that's like current research and we sort of projected it forward. But what happened is like we started with the head, and the head is fully puppeteered. And then, um, as the first scene, and when he starts to walk, we basically had Caleb in this displacement suit. And he's walking and he's interacting and he's looking at his hands. And we very, very quickly found that like that Caleb's performance was just magical, you know? Yeah. And we had had all these discussions with Caleb about, about that evolution. It's like, you need to start mechanical. You need to start with a very limited like library of what of motions and what you can do. And over the course, we just had this, these conversations over the course, like you'll get more and more free. You'll be learning more. The more you like in, if you've seen Finch do something in a shot, when you go to the next scene, you can use that. Don't use it before. <laughs> so, so oh, like, so cool. yeah. So Caleb was kind of like the baseline and what we ended up doing. So we had him in the suit and we noticed like the minute, like we restricted his face. So we put, we put a mask on and we debated, like, do we see his eyes? So we use that for animation or do we put him in the mat? We put him in a mask and the minute he's in a mask, like he starts to do more with his hands because he knows he can't act with his face. So all right. of a sudden uh, he's more expressive physically. And so we're like, okay, <laughs> this is what we're going to do. We're going to, um, try to preserve his hands. Mm. Like, 
hands are super complicated and even though they're supposed to be baseball mitts. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 it, and it's like, but there's subtlety in there. There's little like, like quivers he was doing. And whenever it wasn't too, or get like in the progression, as long as it was mechanical looking enough, we would keep it. And it's actually harder. It's harder to do, you know, keep the hand than just paint them out and replace oh, them. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Cause you got to track it, you know, you've got, Oh like, God, mixers. I can't imagine. Yeah. 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 And more paint work. But so, what we did then it's like we built we built the rest of the performance around it. we we basically usually kept the head where Caleb's head was and tried to keep the hands and everything else is a combination of most it's like mostly animators like a team of like 60 animators who kind of had this sort of mindset of like let's follow this progression let's make him very mechanical let's i mean let's connect those dots between the head and the hands based on what Caleb's doing in a mechanical way, very jerky, overshoot, mm-hmm. undershoot, wobbling, bring in the mocap data for, for the robot if we need to, to make sure it's like, like the little <laughs> servo motors are going, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then um, we basically went forward from there. So as, as the movie progressed, it was all about, let's take a little bit of the mechanical edge off. Let's make it a little bit more fluid. What did Caleb do here? Like, it, it was that too far? Do we need to like pull it back, or do we need to add a little mechanical wiggle to his arm? You know, and so that was our progression over the whole the whole movie. And kind of an interesting thing too is that when we started, the idea was that he, by the end of the movie, would be more like Tom Hanks. You know, because right. of that, like because he's synthesizing that motion. And we, we loved Caleb's performance so much. We kind of, we kind of decided that it, he was going to be his own thing. He, he like hmm. in the same way, it's, it's very much like a, a father son relationship. And it's like in the same way, the son isn't a clone of a father. It, he's something else. We realized it's like Caleb ended up doing kind of a mimic of Tom, but in his own way. So we, we did mocap um, Tom yeah. And we we thought that was going to be the ultimate target. Like we were going to go like fully, fully Tom Hanks. Like it was going to be Tom Hanks mocap at the end and that's it. And along the way, we sort of were weaving in, we called them finchisms, like things that Tom Hanks did, you know, scratching his beard or like the way he drove. And we kind of wove those into Caleb's performance. And by the end, it's, it's just, it, we really felt we ended in a place that was a hybrid and it was Caleb and Tom and all the 60 animators and just this whole group effort. And I think looking back, I think it was the right thing to do because it is like this AI from the year 2030 and it, it did evolve into something different, you know? Yeah. That's insane. So, uh, <laughs> How many VFX shots total are we talking then since the animators are tweaking everything? Um, what's funny is I I had to, it, we finished during the pandemic, so I had to go back and look. It's it's 877, which in today's terms isn't a lot of visual. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm a little surprised, honestly. And, and I think like looking back, it's like we had a lot of long shots and we had like Jeff doesn't fully appear in the movie till a little bit in. Mm. And. I think um, we also had we also had the advantage, the small robot Dewey Legacy Effects built that that little quad robot, 
and ran him in shots. Oh, that was animatronic. Yeah, completely like except wow. for a couple, a couple shots, but it's like they really pulled off like this America. It was they said it was like the most complicated robot they've ever built at Legacy. And Legacy is, yeah. you know, pretty they're, they're pretty great at what they do. Oh yeah. So that took a little bit of pressure off of us and allowed us to focus more on Jeff, I think, which was nice. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast. A songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Now, what about, um, to the extent Jeff was on screen uh, when he wasn't CGI'd, are there shots when it's just showing his hands and stuff that that's also legacy animatronics or... We what we tried to do is weave stuff in there <laughs> so you wouldn't necessarily guess. So, like in the scene where he's doing the books, it was there was this mechanical rig that special effects built, but we kind of snuck Caleb in there, <laughs> you know, through this rig. And so again, we kept his hand and we yeah. painted him out from here on, and then we put like a CG arm in there. But because like, especially in the first scenes, we really wanted to trick people and keep people guessing. <laughs> um, the head was fully legacy, except there's one eye open shot that we enhanced <laughs> in CG. And then, um, you know, we, we wanted to do some over the shoulders just to weave those in there. And the problem is, it, it was a problem and not a problem. We we loved what Caleb was doing so much that even in the over the shoulders, there was something that came across and 
we we couldn't help ourselves. <laughs> like we need Caleb for this. So basically, Caleb's in everything. Ultimately, it's, every time we see Jeff, pretty much there's at least fifty percent of Caleb in every Jeff shot, and wow. some combination of all sorts of other things yeah. elsewhere. Like the other the other funny thing is, you know, we did take advantage of the the parka. So he, when he finds this yeah. parka and he wears it. We're like, well, we could we could paint that out, or we could pad it and like custom tailor it and make and and kind of make it camera ready. And we had to like put some displacement things in it so it read like his spine. But we try to use the real one whenever we could. And it again, it's like it, it helps trick you and helps you guess what's real and not. And it like it, it lit beautifully. And we, of course, we had to like paint out and replace things yeah. with it. But ultimately, I was very, very happy with that. So Caleb was wearing the parka over his, uh, his displacement. suit. His yeah. displacement. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. It's so photorealistic. The person I was watching it with, we were going back and forth and trying to figure out. He's like, no, no, that's not CGI. There's no way that's CGI. Because <laughs> it looks like, it blo- and you're, tell- you're telling me that there's a little CGI and everything just blowing my mind. So, yeah. So obviously, you know, Jeff is a standout and then the, um, the animatronic robot, but there's a lot of background work you guys did too, a lot of destruction with the cities yes. and the environment. Tell me a little bit about that. You know, I, I, I will say it's like, this wasn't a, this wasn't a big budget movie. It's it's one of for having a lot of visual effects. It was we had to be very frugal and tactical. <clears throat> yeah. So we were fortunate. We shot in New Mexico, which is beautiful, beautiful and somewhat barren <laughs> in many places. <laughs> and what what we actually ended up doing is they had a real a real RV and a lot of those shots inside. We actually just drove it through New Mexico and fil- <laughs> instead of. Instead of blue screen where we could, we did that. And of course we did have to do some blue, you know, the classic blue screen stuff in the car, but like the same thing where it's like, if we don't have to, if we can get out there, if the weather's good, let's go shoot it. On top of that though, anything green, we had to paint out. That's like the UV thing. It's like, okay, it's dead. So at a minimum we had that. We basically we went with this thing of like, let's try to get whatever we can in camera and paint on top of it. It was like the avoidance of blue screens wherever possible. And it's like, that was partly budget and partly, you know, just wanting to keep it grounded in the real world where you could add 10, 20, 30% onto a real background as opposed to starting from scratch. Yeah. It looked incredible too. Um, If you're allowed to say, what was the budget on this thing? I'm not allowed, but I also, I, I also, there's definitely a part of me that like separates it. I actually couldn't tell you if I wanted to because yeah, I okay. compartmentalize that. And my producing partner, uh, Sophie Leclerc, is a great partner. And I'm like, okay, Sophie, are we in the zone? <laughs> are we doing? <laughs> and I'm like, please don't tell me. Like, can I ask for this? Yes, no. And I, so I do, I do try to keep that separate. But I got I, you. But I will say, I mean, here's to the thing it's like, can we do this? No. So, like, Okay, I'm gonna do it. So I actually did, you know, over a dozen shots myself, just because I wanted, I, I just wanted to chip in, and I did, yeah. I did, I did post fizz shots, and it was, you know, all hands on deck, and the whole crew was like that. Every everybody, everybody like had a passion for this. It was like it was a project of love for everyone. It's like 
Burt Dalton, the special effects guy, is out there with a giant wind machine and and blowing dust in it, and he's doing it, you know, by hand himself, and <laughs> and it's like the Dewey the Dewey robot, you know. Normally, you know, on a giant VFX movie, it's like you might build three or four of those and <clears throat> spare parts and stuff. I could cut, and they had one Dewey, and. Legacy just did an amazing job. They're blowing dust on it and it's in the middle of a dust storm. And it's oh like, it's, there's like five or six guys with their remote controls. And it didn't break down. It, I mean, it maybe broke down once or twice, but it's like, then they all converge and like fix it. And they, we go again. And it's like, it was pretty phenomenal. God, that is something else. Are there any other little details that I wouldn't have even known were you guys' handiwork in the VFX team that you want to talk about? Wow. Um, I will say, you know, Goodyear the dog is a star of the movie. Mm -hmm. um, oh, what a good boy. <laughs> and he is amazing. There were a couple tiny little enhancements in, in, in a couple places, like a little expression tweak or, or something. Yeah. Um, but what else? Um, I, certainly there's invisible effects of painting out stuff. Sure. Um, I think it's like, you know, in, in the tornado sequence inside the RV, there's like always safety considerations. So enhancement of stuff, adding, yeah. adding debris there. Uh, the other thing is I, I love shooting on location and you get like, you get this, this sense of realism and you get a beautiful landscape. The tricky thing is weather, right? Mm -hmm. And in particular, in the tornado sequence, we had to deal with changing weather, going from overcast to sunny, and we're supposed to have this storm cloud coming in. And it, that, was a, that was a delicate dance there to sort of find pockets of sky you could leave open to justify harder light, but also shadow areas with a storm cloud. And God. That, that, that was definitely tricky. The director of photography and myself, while we're shooting, were kind of... <laughs> A little stressed about that, but ultimately it worked out. Yeah, you get to feel just like Tom Hanks did, right? The weather is going to change without any notice. <laughs> Definitely. Well, Scott, this is fantastic work, and I really, really hope the VFX branch takes notice. I look forward to seeing you guys probably give a great presentation at the Bake Off and hopefully be among the nominees. It's well-deserved. Thank you so very thank much. Thank you for taking the time to talk about it. All right. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Will Mavity's interview with the visual effects supervisor for Finch, Scott Stockdick, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Finch is currently playing in select theaters and streaming on Apple TV+. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next time. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. 
It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah.